Oh, hey there, Callie Mae. What are you doing? What's wrong? I'm just a little nervous. I, I'm sort of scared. Um, hmm. what are you afraid of? Because hmm. I'm supposed to talk to the kids today. Yeah. Um, Callie Mae? Yeah. That shouldn't be hard for you. You know, you talk all the time. Yeah. I know, but I'm just nervous today. What if I fall down? What if I forget the verse? What if I... Oh, well, oh. what are you oh. supposed to talk about for heaven's sakes? Well, Josie, I'm supposed to talk about peace. Oh. Peace? Yeah, peace. You know, it says in the Bible, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. I know what patience is now. Kindness, yep. goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there's no law. That's Galatians chapter 5. Verses 22 and 23. Good Woo-hoo. job. That's awesome. That's yeah. great. You got the scripture right this time. Do you know what it means though? Um, grapes to go with the Chiquita bananas mm. and Granny Smith apples. <laughs> Just kidding, y'all. Yes. Oh, yes. brother. Yes. No, Callie Mae. You knew that wasn't it. But, Eddie, could you explain... Or Josie, can you guys explain to me once more so I'll make sure that I'll have it right? Kelly May? Yeah. Listen real close, okay? I'm all ears, Josie. Okay. When people become Christians, mm-hmm. God's Spirit lives in them and okay. guides them or okay. shows them how to live. Yep. yep. And they learn from the Bible too. Well, that's right too. You know, the Bible is like our school book and the Spirit is our teacher. Right. Yep. So, um, what's all this fruit stuff? Okay. You expect an apple tree to make apples yeah. and a uh-huh. banana tree to have bananas, right? Wait, wait. Yep. Banana trees? Oh, that's later. Okay. Banana trees, yeah, right. Well... An apple tree makes apples. Yep. A Christian shows their love, joy, and peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Yep. Uh, yep. That's right. The more we listen to God's Spirit teaching us, the more we act like He wants us to. I think I understand real good now. Thanks, guys. Uh, but we're not quite done, are we? You forgot about the peace part. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. In Philippians 4, 6, the Bible says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Wait a minute, right. that's overload for me. Overload. Somebody help me out. Overload. <laughs> oh, really? Brother. Yeah, help me out. Please. It means, Callie Mae, don't get upset about things. Okay. Tell God about them. You with me? Yep. And God will quiet your worries and give you peace. I'm with them. Okay. He is there through the hard times and the good times. And He is with 
him, we can be peaceful. So, I don't need to worry about talking to the kids about peace? Um, nope. I think you already have. Oh, hey, y'all. You mean we already did it? You sure did. Whoa, that was not a bit hard. Thanks for helping me, y'all. Sure, Callie Mae. Hey, tell us that scripture again from Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Sure. All right, y'all ready? Yep. Yep. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, Uh faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there's no law. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. That's awesome. Good job. Everybody give her a hand. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I think she's got it. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, I got to go. Where are you going? Oh, boy. I'm all talking about, we're talking all about this fruit. Uh Uh-huh. I think I'm getting a little hungry. Oh, oh, brother. Yeah. Okay. Let's go. We well, bye, guys. We're going to go keep her straight. No. See you later. Bye. So children exit into children's church. Give our puppet team one more cl- uh, round clap of praise. I tell you, I'm blessed each week when I see these guys up here. Uh, it, it's it's very good to hear the word sometimes in a different manner. Um, and we're getting ready to enter into our traditional form of hearing the word as our pastor comes forth to bring forth the word today. So I ask that you bow your heads as we say a prayer for him. Father, we thank you, dear Lord, for giving us this chance to be here today, Lord. And I pray as we enter into the time of the word, Father, that you would anoint our pastor, dear Lord, to bring forth the word, dear Lord, that you would speak through him and use him as a vessel, Lord, that can speak the word to us today that our lives might be changed. We give you the glory. Glory, honor, and praise, and we ask these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, today, if I tell you that the sermon today is going to be about long-suffering, how many are really excited? Yeah, that's what I thought. (laughs) But it is about long-suffering. That's what we're going to be talking about for just a few moments. So, Kevin, if you would come, Kevin's going to help me for just a minute. And we're going to follow up with what we just saw. Some of you about to have a heart attack. Kevin's going to come help me. <laughs> I can see that. I told him he wouldn't have to say a word. He's just going to have to stand here. But what I'd like to do this morning is to illustrate something to us about the fruit of the Spirit. Um, first off, you see I've, I've put the four that we've dealt with so far on the front of the pulpit today. Um, love, of course, love is extremely important. Let me go ahead and take that one down. Love is important because um, it is the umbrella, as we talked about earlier, under which all the others fall. All the other fruit of the Spirit issues forth from love. Without love, none of the others are going to be there. They're not going to work. And we've had a sermon about that, so we won't redo that. But love is extremely important in the life of a Christian. Would you agree? The Bible says it's so important. Well, first of all, we know that the Bible says that God is love. So love is important. It's supposed to be seen. Could everybody say seen? Love is supposed to be seen in the life of a Christian. The reason I can tell you that with absolute certainty is because Jesus said this. By all, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples. Think about that statement. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples. If you have Love one for another. So love is to be seen. 
In a Christian's life, love is supposed to be seen. Amen? And so it's like the bananas on the banana tree or the apples on the apple tree. It's love in the life of a Christian. And love is not something that needs to be taped to the pulpit. It's something that needs to be seen in our lives. Right? How many agree we're supposed to see love in our lives? Other people are supposed to see love in our lives. I mean, we are a community of people that are supposed to be recognized by the love that there is among us that we have for each other and for God. Amen? So it's extremely important. And then the next Sunday, we talked about the second one, which was joy. Now, joy was important, as we saw, because the Bible says that the joy of the Lord is your strength. Without joy, if you're not a happy Christian, if you don't have joy in your life, um, you're going to be a weak Christian, for one thing. But other people are going to see that because there again, this is the second in the list of what we call the what of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. Fruit can be seen. It's visible. That's the whole point behind this passage. We are supposed as Christians today to let be seen in us as it's produced through the Holy Spirit working in us. Love, that's visible. And then we've got joy and that's visible. And that's very important. I, I, I won't ask you to respond to this, but I will tell you that it's not a very consistent picture that we get from somebody who's supposed to be a Christian and they have no joy. It doesn't compute, does it? It doesn't add up. Because in the Bible, Scripture tells us that for instance, in First Peter, during a time of persecution and trial, when people were being um, um, arrested and physically abused and punished for being Christians, the Apostle Peter said this, that even during the time of our trial, our faith and our relationship with the Lord is so real that it is joy unspeakable and full of glory. Amen. So our joy is not contingent upon our circumstances. We have joy because we're Christians and the Spirit of God is working in our lives. It has nothing to do with the fact that you got a raise last week. If you if your salary was cut in half last week, believe it or not, if you're right with God and have a relationship with Him, even if your salary gets cut in half, you can still have joy. Amen? When bad things come our way, we can still have joy. This joy about which we speak is not attached to our circumstances. It's something that only the Spirit of God can produce in us. Okay? The next one we, we talked about, this was um, a week ago Sunday, I think, because we took a week off for a VBS celebration, is peace. If you, if you are a Christian, the Bible says that the Spirit of God is working in you to produce and peace can be. <laughs> Love can be. Joy can be seen. Peace can be. In other, in other words, if we're going through life and we're all worked up about everything and falling to pieces and, and we're a basket case and. And we don't ever have any peace. We don't ever have any joy. We, we don't exhibit love. If we don't have any of these things in our lives. People may be saying, what are you, 
Who are you trying to fool? Claiming to be a Christian. And there's no love. And there's no joy. And there's no peace. So peace is another one of those things that are supposed to be seen. And then today, we come to this one, the fourth one, the one that you all got so excited about when I told you what we were going to be talking about today. Long-suffering. Now, you can't hardly read it because it's a long word. Long-suffering. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Man, this is great, isn't it? You know what? It is great. Because it means a lot more probably than we think it means. But today, consistent with the other fruit... Long-suffering is supposed to be seen in the life of a Christian. You can see it. You can see the love. You can see the joy. You can see the peace. And you can see long-suffering exhibited and lived out in the life of a Christian. Right? (laughs) Give Kevin a hand, would you? Thank you, Kevin. You see, the the love, joy, and peace, I, I wanted to illustrate that because it's not something that belongs in the pulpit nowhere else. It belongs in our lives everywhere we go, every day of our lives. Because you know what? People out there have read the Bible. And they know that the fruit that the Holy Spirit produces in a Christian's life is love and joy and peace. And if they don't see that, it's inconsistent with what the Bible says is supposed to be there. And that kind of messes us up as Christians and our reputation and what people think. It makes our testimony not very credible, does it? If they see no love, no joy, and no peace, then they begin to scratch their heads and wonder what's going on. Because that's not what the Bible says is supposed to be happening. Likewise, what I'm going to share with you today, long-suffering is another one. Actually, I'm quite excited about sharing this with you today. I think it's extremely important and will be helpful for us. Now, as we look at this to begin with, I'm going to read several quotes from different people about long-suffering, and then I want to get into the actual meaning of the word. This first one is by Elizabeth Elliot. Anybody know Elizabeth Elliot, who she is? Elizabeth Elliot is a Christian author, um, writer, speaker, and uh, back in 1956, her husband was killed as a missionary when he went to Ecuador to evangelize some of the tribes there. Um, As I recall, I think his helicopter uh, may have landed in an undesirable location, but at any rate, he was killed. So this woman's husband was murdered, martyred, killed, as he was going to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ in a foreign land. Well, through the rest of her life, she's deceased now. She was quite a popular radio speaker and writer. And this first quote comes from her. This hard place in which you perhaps find yourself is the very place in which God is giving you opportunity to look only to Him. To spend time in prayer. And to learn long-suffering gentleness, meekness. In short, to learn the depths of the love that Christ himself has poured out on all of us. And we'll see before we finish today in a brief fashion 
that um, God, the Bible speaks of several times as being long-suffering. I'll tell you this, if God was not long-suffering, this pastor would be in a mess. Well, don't look at me so holy. Let me rephrase that. If it wasn't for the long-suffering of God, you would be in a mess. Right? Because God's long-suffering has been extended to us over the years in times when we were not faithful and we were not good and we didn't do what was right, but He was long-suffering towards us and it kept loving us in spite of all of that. Amen? And then one day, fortunately, at least if you're here, I hope you have done that, is respond to the mercy and the forgiveness that Jesus offers. The next one's by Oswald Chambers. When God gets us alone through suffering, heartbreak, temptation, disappointment, sickness, or by thwarted friendship, when he gets us absolutely alone and we are totally speechless, unable to ask even one question, then he begins to teach us. And what he's saying is when we go through those difficult times, there's a lot we can learn and a lot we can hear from our Heavenly Father when we get along with Him and get willing to listen. Seneca the Younger wrote this, What's the good of dragging up sufferings which are over, of being unhappy now just because you were then? Boy, we all tattoo that one on our hand and read it every day. Think about the power of that. What's the good of dragging up sufferings which are over, of being unhappy now just because you were then? Some people love to relish the difficult, the negative, and the hard times in their lives. Helen Keller wrote this, Character cannot be developed in ease and quiet. Only through experience of trial and suffering can the soul be strengthened Ambition inspired and success achieved. I've got three more. Spencer Kimball. He says, being human, we would expel from our lives physical pain and mental anguish and assure ourselves of continual ease and comfort. But if we were to close the doors upon sorrow and distress we might be excluding our greatest friends and benefactors. Suffering can make saints of people as they learn patience, long-suffering, and self-mastery. Theodoret wrote, The Son by the... Listen, this is interesting. The Son by the action of heat makes wax moist... And mud dry. Hardening the one while it softens the other. By the same operation producing exactly opposite results. Thus, from the long suffering of God, some derive benefit and others harm. Some are softened while others are hardened. It all depends on how we respond, doesn't it? To our difficulties and our trials. Most of you are familiar with the name Rick Warren. Rick Warren is the pastor of Saddleback Church in California. He founded this church uh, many years ago now. <clears throat> he wrote the books that you've heard of, Purpose Driven Life and Purpose Driven Church. Very well-known 
contemporary even now. It's still active and, and very involved in ministry. Most of you may not know the story that uh, Rick Warren's wife, Kay, had cancer. She went through this battle with cancer. It was, it's, it's, I guess it's always terrible. But she went through this battle with cancer, and here he was, a mega church, pastor of a mega church, and, and hundreds of thousands of people followed his ministry, and he's written books and so forth. And this was a great trial in their home and for their faith and so forth. And then, a few years later, Rick Warren's son, adult son, committed suicide. Tough thing for a minister and his family to go through. Rick has written these words, and I shared those things with you to give you insight into maybe some of his life and his trial. Rick said, God is more interested in your character than your comfort. God is more interested in making your life holy than he is making your life happy. I want to read that again. That's good stuff. God is more interested in your character than your comfort. God is more interested in making your life holy than making your life happy. The longer I go in ministry and the more I study the word, the more I learn. And I'll have to say to you that I have come to understand the subject of long-suffering differently this week than I ever have before in my life. As I've analyzed Scripture and compared Scripture with Scripture and looked at this subject this past week. My favorite definition of long-suffering has always been long-suffering. We all know what suffering means, right? And long-suffering would mean to suffer Long, and the grace and the ability that God gives us to do that. I've already mentioned that Rick Warren and his family were touched by by difficult times, cancer with his wife, a suicide on the part of his son. But all of us have difficult times, difficult situations, difficult days, do we not? All of us have our own set of trials. None of us are exempt from the things that, that, that come our way in life. And the Bible tells us that the fruit of the Spirit of God working in the heart and life of a born-again Christian who's placing their faith and their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and in a merciful God, The way we act when we are in trials, if we're being led by the Spirit, and the Spirit is producing in us the fruit that He wants to produce, it's going to be a situation like this, that God will turn our test into a testimony. Right? God will use those things. God will bring us through those things. God will bring us out of those things. And sometimes he doesn't do it instantaneously, and he might not do it next week, and he might not do it next month. But somehow, some way, he's going to bring us through that trial, and then we'll have a testimony. But there might have been some long-suffering in the interim.
Now that's been my understanding of the word long-suffering in the past. These tragedies, these heartaches, these things that come our way. But now I'm going to shift gears and go in a different direction with this word. Those are, those are applicable. Those are real life situations. It is certainly true what I have shared with you thus far, but let's bring it, let's bring it on down a little bit. Let's refine the definition of what long suffering is in scripture. And I think it'll be much more important to us than we've ever realized. I did go to Webster's and then I compared Webster's with the original meanings of these words. Webster, and you'll get what I'm, what I'm getting at in just a moment. Webster's defines long suffering as having or showing patience in spite of troubles. Now that's part of the definition. I'm going to hold and reserve the second half of that. I'll come back to it in a minute. Synonyms for the word long suffering, according to the dictionary, are patience. Forbearing, forbearing means putting up with things. Tolerant, uncomplaining, accommodating, forgiving, or understanding. Being an understanding person. These are synonyms of the word long-suffering. Long-suffering is made up of two Greek words, meaning long and temper. And here's where it gets interesting, the word temper. You know, the English language is something else, isn't it? One word can mean two almost opposite things. So it is with the word temper. I know what most of you think of when you hear the word temper. Boy, she's got a temper. Well, actually, the very statement that she's got a temper is an indication that she has no temper. That didn't make sense, did it? You see, the word temper, let me go back and read that first definition. Having or showing patience in spite of troubles, especially those caused by other people. Can everybody say, "Uh uh-oh. So it's not cancer and terrible tragedy that's in view here. When we talk about long-suffering in Galatians 5, it's troubles with people. And we are told that we need to be temperate in our relationships with other people, long-suffering with our relationships with other people, and to be temperate simply means to be in control. Self-control, some would say. It was mentioned by the puppets just a few moments ago that the the uh, long-suffering, I don't know if you caught it or not because you weren't listening, you were thinking about peace, which they were talking about, but they, they mentioned long-suffering and it was translated in whatever version they read from as patience. That's what's in view here. How do you respond to the troubles that you get into with other people? When other people say things to you, do things to you, irritate you. If you've ever been irritated, would you say amen? The rest of you can come to the altar at the end of the service. Has anybody ever got on your last nerve? I'm telling you what, get under your skin, 
make you... Sometimes you're ready to blow your top. You know, just steam would come out if you did. I mean, just irritated. Listen, life is full of irritations with people, is it not? It is. Whether you're a Christian or whether you're not a Christian, you get irritated by people. You get disappointed by people. You get (laughs) angry with people. You have trouble with people. Sometimes the people you're married to. Sometimes the people you gave birth to. Amen? That's the way it is. That's just life. And how we deal with those things is going to say a lot about our character as Christians. So long-suffering in this passage, using the definition that came from the original, it talks about the temper. Temper is not being mad. Temper is being under control. Temperance, self-control, being able to control. That's why I was saying English is something. Because when you say temper, you see somebody who's mad. No, that's a bad temper. That's a bad example of what temper is. Temper is really being under control. And somebody gets under your skin, gets on your last nerve. If you'll, if you'll use temper, that means you, you are under control. You'll get through it. Long suffering is the way it's defined. But if you don't do it the right way, then you're going to get the definition that's generally accepted, what that word means, temper. And that's somebody who's out of control. Just look up the word temper sometime. It's when you take two, th- two things and you mix them together to make them more, uh, make the quality better. It has to do with being long-suffering, but as we're going to look in just a moment in Galatians 5, it's not long-suffering necessarily with the cancer or the sickness or the problems of life in general. It's, it's problems with people. Let's look at that. Let's look at the context of Galatians 5. Turn with me in your Bible there if you would. And let's look at exactly what's being talked about there. We're going to begin in Galatians chapter 5, uh, verse 19. Now that is the works of the flesh. The Bible says, now the works of the flesh are evident. What does that mean? They can be seen. Exactly right. The works of the flesh can be seen. The fruit of the Spirit can be seen. Exactly. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery. That I'm really not even concerned about those at this point. I want to look at the rest of the list. Because the rest of the list really gets close to home. Hatred. Contentions. That's not conventions now. It's contentions. What are contentions? When you have such an attitude, you can't get along with anybody. They're just contentious, argumentative. They just won't cooperate. You, You can't see eye to eye. Just contentious. There are contentions. There are jealousies. There are outbursts of wrath. There are selfish ambitions. Got to have it my way. Dissensions. All kinds of troubles in relationships. Heresies and envy. And then murders. And it goes on to say, of which I tell you before, 
just as also I told you in time past. Now, you don't think that list of things that I just read is problematic? Here's what Paul says. I've told you before that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Does that sound like to you it's important that we pay attention to love and joy and peace and long-suffering? Because we're going to, we, we can't behave like the world behaves. We can't have the, the same stinking thinking that the world has. If you, if you operate like the world does and somebody does you wrong, what do you do? You do them wrong. You get even. You get back. You give them a piece of your mind. The Christian doesn't do that. The Christian, the Spirit of the Lord producing in us long-suffering, as you're going to notice now, is primarily in the context of these relationships with people and attitudes. Because we've read, here's the way not to do it. Hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions. You can't get along with anybody. That's the wrong way. The right way is, verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit, and may I put in parentheses here, is evident. Fruit is evident. Fruit is seen. But the fruit is also evident. And here's what the fruit of the Spirit is. It's love, not hate. It's joy, not contentions. It's peace, not all these troublesome relationships. It's, and here we come to the day, it's long-suffering. What it's telling us is that we have to learn to control, restrain, and be patient in how we respond to other people. We just can't spout off. You can't always give people a piece of your mind because when you get through, you won't have much left. Really, I mean, we, we are, we are so, I'm not speaking just us, I'm speaking people in general. We are so undisciplined in the way we live our lives as Christians. If we respond just like the world does, just like everybody else at work does, see, they're supposed to look at us and see love and see joy and see peace and see long suffering. You say, well, that looks, that's so wimpy. That's not wimpy. That's Christ-like. Can I show you that in Scripture? Turn with me to Isaiah 53. In Isaiah 53, this is a passage about our Lord. What He was going to be like when He came. And, and I'll, read, I'll read just portions of it except for one verse. Um, in verse 3 it says, He is despised and rejected by men. Now, if you're going to do things like the world does it today, if you're despised and rejected, what are you probably going to do? You're going to lash out at whoever's despised and rejecting you, right? I mean, if they, if they, throw, you a, if they throw you a good left cross, you're going to hit them back with something. You, you're, going to, you're, going to, you're going to respond in like manner back to them. That's just the way it's done. He is despised and rejected. Verse 5 says he was wounded. We're talking about Jesus now. 
He was bruised. He was chastised. He experienced stripes. Verse 5. He was cut off from the land of the living. Verse 8. He was stricken. Verse 8. You remember how they, they beat him and took the rods and whipped him and so forth. Now. Let me ask you this question. Was he mistreated? Was he mistreated? And here's what the Bible says in verse 7. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before its shearers is silent. A sheep before its shearers is silent. So he opened not his mouth. He could have gone to the cross kicking and screaming, but he didn't. He didn't open his mouth. Against his accusers, against his abusers. And the Bible says that Jesus has given us an example of how we're supposed to live. Anybody can lash out. Anybody can hate. Anybody can have an attitude. Anybody can get on Facebook and berate everybody in the country. Amen? But sometimes, if you're the one on the receiving end of some of that, boy, it's tough to be long-suffering. It's tough to bite your tongue. It's tough not to respond in kind. I didn't say it was easy to be Christ-like. I just said we're supposed to be Christ-like because that's what the Bible says. Please understand that long-suffering in Galatians 5 is in the context of these personal relationships and problems that we have with people. It includes the cancers and, the, and the, all the other troubles we can have, but we've almost taken it and, and put it way out here somewhere, these horrendous things and we're supposed to be long-suffering. And we're neglecting where we walk every day and how we live. And it's really written to us on a daily basis in the relationships that we have with people. I look across the congregation. I've been here long enough now that, that many of you I know. I, I know I know what kind of work you do. I know the challenge that you, that you face. We got, we got school teachers. We got principals. We got people who work with the public. We got... Listen, everywhere you go, you find people that are rude, people that are hard to get along with, people that will treat you unfairly, people that will be false accusers, they'll lie against you. What did the Bible say? That we as Christians, we as Christ followers, we as children of the Lord, are we going to be treated that way? Jesus said we would be. In the world, you're going to have tribulation. You're going to have problems. It's just that way. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. And First Peter says that we are to, to, Jesus is our example and that we should follow in his footsteps. We're to be like Christ. So that is to say we have in him a good example. This goes so contrary to the way we do things in our culture, we don't even like to hear it. This is bothering some of you now. I can see it on your faces. You mean you expect me to sit back and say nothing, do nothing? Yeah. That's exactly what I'm saying. That's what the Bible says. We don't lash out. Listen, the world is looking for people who are different. 
The world is looking for people who are real. The world is looking for people who will do this the right way. And we don't return evil for evil. We don't return insult for insult. Somebody misuses and abuses you, you don't misuse and abuse them. If the best thing you can do, if the best thing you can do is just to turn around and walk away, then pray that God will give you the grace to do it. Don't respond. Not in a negative way. Now, if he'll give you the grace to show love to that person and to to try to reconcile with that person and be peaceful with that person, you can't ever tell. You just might win a brother. You might influence someone with the gospel of Jesus Christ and love and forgiveness and see them come to Christ. But the bottom line is, folks, we have to do things and respond to people the way Jesus taught us to. Oh, Kevin's in the back. Okay. Brian Kerman, help me a second. Now, what if, um, what if Brian made some accusations against me, told some lies against me, um, maybe to use uh, a common vernacular, he cussed me out. Um, he lets me have it. He um, steals from me, whatever. Shame on you, Brian. Yeah, where are we going with this? <laughs> but if he, if he were to do all that towards me, in my heart, I'm going to be pretty irritated, right? And um, just to be honest, you want me to be honest, right? Down in my heart, if I'm going to do what I want to do, I'd probably come over here. <laughs> I'd probably I'd probably punch his lights out. Am I right? Yeah. That's naturally how we would respond. I can't do that. I can't do that. That's going to be a horrible witness for Christ. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to have to forgive him. I have to talk with him. And, and, and tell them, listen, you're saying things, man, you, you're going to have to stop this. It's not right. And you're going to have to try to reconcile. Now, what if he doesn't want to reconcile? Long suffering. And then I'm going to have to restrain myself, right? I'm going to have to use some temperance. Not use my temper in the way we usually think of it. But I'm going to have to use some temperance and some self-control. And I'm going to have to walk away from that situation and act like Christ. And here's something else. Although I might have had a little little something in my heart towards him that wasn't right. Do you know what? I can't, I can't harbor that there. I got to get rid of that. Amen? I got to get cleansed from that. I can't hate him. As a matter of fact, the Bible teaches that I'm supposed to forgive him. Do you know if, if, let's just say that there's a problem between Brian and myself. And we got some hard feelings toward each other. Do you know according to the Bible, it doesn't matter who was at fault. Doesn't matter who was at fault. Both of us should be willing to try to reconcile and make it right. I may be, I may be totally innocent. And he's the one who did all those horrible things I mentioned earlier. 
And I can sit there and pout till Jesus comes and say, I ain't going to do nothing. He comes to me and apologizes. That's not the way to do it. That's not the way to do it. I could go to him and say, Brian, you did me wrong, buddy. What you did wasn't right. But I want you to know I love you and I'm going to forgive you. Amen? Amen. That's, the Bible tells us we can do that. If we do things the way the world does it, I'll be filing charges and having him arrested and doing all kinds of things. Right? But Christians have peace being produced in them. And so the Bible says, blessed are the peacemakers. For they're going to be called the children of God. Why? Because everybody can recognize they're acting like children of God. So it's very important how we respond. Thank you, Brian. I appreciate it. And incidentally, he has done none of those things to me. <laughs> I'd like for our musicians to come, please, if you don't mind. I'm going to read just a couple of passages. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 15. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's matters. In other words, if we're going to suffer, don't be guilty of bringing that on yourself. Don't do stupid stuff. That brings hardship on you. See, if you poke your nose in somebody else's business, chances are somebody's not going to like it, right? So don't do that. But then it goes on in verse 16 and it says, But yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. When you do what's right as a Christian... Sometimes there's going to be people who don't like it. Right. It may get you into trouble. It may, it may cause some relationships to be strained when you do what's right as a Christian. It may cause you to suffer because you did what right, what was right. But that's okay. The Bible says if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. Do what's right. Take a stand, even if it costs you. Verse 19, therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God, whoop, 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 what? Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God. Did you all see that? Did you know that sometimes we may go through trials that may actually be God's will for us? Mm-hmm. I mean, God's not a Santa Claus, folks. That's, that's the way we want to treat him sometimes. He wants you rich and he wants you... Uh, all these things, there are sometimes we may go through some hardships that, that are the Lord's will for our life to refine us and teach us and right. help us grow and mature. Right. So therefore, let those who suffer according to the, listen, if I, well, I started to say if I, if I preach the word, I'm going to get in trouble. And that's the truth. Mm-hmm. 
isn't it? I mean, there's, there's, all of you know, over the years, going on 22 years now, there's been times when I take a stand about issues. Right? Sometimes people would leave because they didn't like it. But when the Bible says something's wrong, it's wrong. And it may cost us. That's okay. So if you suffer according to the will of God, let us commit our souls to him in doing good as to a faithful creator. Verse 15. I mean, excuse me, chapter 5, verse 10. But may the God of all grace who called us to his eternal glory by Jesus Christ, after you have suffered for a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. God's going to take care of it. To him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Mm -hmm. Amen. There's a chorus. They're going to put the words on the screen now. And I'm going to ask you to sing it with me. Talking about long suffering doesn't make you want to run and jump and scream and shout. I know that. But you know what? It's very important because it's about being like Jesus. And so we may not even find that exciting because when you, when you see how Jesus handled some things and what he did, and we're supposed to be followers of him, sometimes it can be costly. But I think we've got some people in this church that got their mind made up. They want to be like Jesus. So would you stand with me as we sing this little song? To be like Jesus, to be like Jesus, all I am, to be we
examined some of the word today and we've sung a song that talks about being like Jesus. If if the Holy Spirit has spoken to you today about anything in your life, anything in your behavior, anything in your life, anything about the way you do things or don't do things, if he's brought that to mind and you recognize that you need to be more like Jesus, here's what I'm going to invite you to do. And that is just to come and bow at the altar and spend a moment or two or three or four talking to the Lord about that thing. About that thing that came to your mind. About the thing that the Spirit of the Lord brought to your attention. And you want to just bow and and pray about that. I, I would think likely many of us would have things like that. The other thing I want to mention is you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior. You've never asked Him to forgive you of your sin and you would like to do that. There's a red line in front of me here on the floor. If you'd like to accept Jesus today and you'd like for this pastor just to pray with you and and help you with that as you come to Jesus today, I would invite you to come. So if you want to accept Christ on the front row, on the on the red line, if you want to pray about something personal in the altar, you're welcome to come do that as we sing this one more time together. God loves you. He's a merciful God. He wants you to be his child. And the only way to do that is to say, Lord Jesus, I want you to forgive me of my sins. I believe you died on the cross for me. Please save me. I want to live for you. I want to do it your way. That's what being a Christian means. So either way, at the altar or at the red line, would you come as we sing? To be like Jesus. To for you. They can grow and mature and be the 
the kind of Christian, Lord, that lets their light shine and their fruit be seen. Oh, Lord, be gracious unto your people today. You see these who are bowing. You hear their prayers. You see their tears. Touch them, we pray. Oh, Lord, we want to draw nearer to you. Lord, we want to be exactly what you want us to be. We want to talk like you want us to talk. Go where you want us to go. Be the Christian you've designed us and called us to be. So minister to these, Lord, we pray. Oh, what a privilege it is, Lord, to bow before you here today. What a privilege it is to pour out our hearts to you. What a privilege it is to know that our prayers are heard. That you hear what's on our minds and on our hearts. You're an awesome God. And we love you today. Thank you for hearing our prayer. Thank you, Lord, for meeting our needs. Draw us near into yourself. And have your way in our lives. We bless your name today. Amen. Let's sing it again. Let's sing it again. To be like Jesus. your prayer today to be like Jesus. If ever there's a time in this world for us to pray that, today is the day. His coming is is soon. His coming is soon. And I believe he's bringing us all to be more like him as we get closer to that glorious day. Will you bow your heads today? Father, we thank you for this time of worship. We thank you for the opportunity to come and worship freely today, Father. And Lord, I thank you for a pastor that speaks the truth, Lord, and that preaches God from the word. Father, I pray that as we go forth our separate ways today, Lord, that you would help us to demonstrate these fruits of the Spirit, that others may see that we are like you, Father, and that we are striving to be more like you each and every day. Help us to practice long-suffering, Lord, this week as we go into our workplaces, our schools, Lord, into our families, and when we interact with our friends. Father, keep us safe and bring us back at the next appointed hour, for we give you the glory, honor, and praise today. In your name we ask it. Amen.